0: Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Last Line Soccer Podcast presented to you by Prime Focus Goalkeeping and the Beautiful Game Network. We want to take some time real quick to thank our sponsors for everything they do for us. Prime Focus Goalkeeping is a brand dedicated to bringing goalkeepers of all ages, top quality gloves and apparel, as well as educational goalkeeping content via our social media pages at Prime Focus GK and YouTube channel, the Prime Focus Goalkeeping channel, as well as plenty of interviews on our blog, which you can check out on our website at www.primefocusgoalkeeping.com. We also need to thank the Beautiful Game Network for giving us a platform to reach more soccer fans and talk with more great soccer minds. Check out the website, www.bgn.fm, for more great podcasts and written content. So without further ado, let's get this episode going. All right, so I'm really excited for you guys to uh, listen to this, uh, our, our recent guest today. Um, he's, he's proved himself as one of the best goalkeepers in the league this season, so I'm excited for you guys to hear what he has to say, hear about his story and his rise to, you know, USL uh, prominence. So without further ado, we've got Pittsburgh Riverhounds goalkeeper Dan Lynn. How are you doing today, man?
1: Good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm, you know, I know we had some technical difficulties before, but I'm glad we could uh, get our schedules together and sit down and talk a little bit because I'm really excited for the people to hear, you know, about your story, about what you've gone through and, you know, where you're at and where you're going. Um, so thanks for coming back on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you're in the off season right now. Um, what's, what's that like? How's it going?
1: It's good. Um, took, you know, a week or two off to just kind of clear your head after a long season. I uh, went out of town for a little bit and I are back and it's just, you know, getting back into the swing of things, hitting the gym a little bit, um, making sure I'm ready for any opportunities that pop up in the next couple months.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the off season is tough. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's one where, it- it's a long season, eight, nine months, um, and towards the end, it's, it comes to grind where you're kind of like, man, I can't wait for a little downtime to, you know, really relax and, and get away from the soccer field a little bit, but then when you get away for a couple of weeks, then you kind of realize, like, man, I kind of miss it. I kind of want to get back into it, so there's a nice yeah, little exactly. balance there um, where, you know, you want to get back in the gym, want to get back on the field, but, you know, you know once the season gets there, it's going to be a grind, so you got kind of got to take advantage of this downtime.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. So,
0: you know, season. You guys, you guys did well. Finished what? Third. Third in the Eastern Conference. Is that
1: it? Yep.
0: And you guys East. had the had the home playoff uh, game. I know it was a little disappointing ending, but, but how how did uh, how did the season go for you? You think?
1: I think it was a success overall. Um, I thought we had a really good squad. Um, you know, it was one of the best Pittsburgh teams that they've had there in a really long time. Um, so I think we can be really happy with the way it went. Um, like you said, the, the first round playoff game at home was huge for the fans. You know, we lost in penalty kicks, unfortunately, um, but that's just how the playoffs can go sometimes. Um, we played Bethlehem, and, and they had a good game plan. And and to give them credit, they played really well. And you know, sometimes that's just the way it works. But but overall, I think we can look back on the season and be pretty happy with how we formed.
0: So I want to take a step back a little bit. I, I usually like to give my listeners um, a bit of background info, or let or let our uh, our guests at this show give a little background about who they are. So I want I want you to start there. Like, wh- who is Dan Lynn? Where did you come from? Where did you start out? And we'll get to how you are, or how you got to
1: where you are now. All right. Yeah. So I'm um, from Rochester, New York. I uh, grew up going to all the uh, the Rhinos games um, when I, when I was younger. Um, Wasn't highly recruited going into college, Um, you know, found a break at uh, University of Pittsburgh, which was in the Big East at the time, and spent four years there. Uh, We changed over into the ACC my sophomore year, Um, so that was a great experience to to play against some of the best teams in the country and and a lot of players from the conference went on to play in MLS, um, even a couple overseas. Um, so that was a great experience. Um learned a lot about myself over those years. We weren't we weren't too good. Um so definitely went through some hardships and and some uh some tough games with things really went south fast. Um but was able to, you know, get through it and find a couple opportunities to, to possibly go on to the next level. Um wound up in Rochester, which was awesome, playing for my hometown team. Um, spent two years there and, and followed Bob into Pittsburgh and and here we are now.
0: Okay, so you, you mentioned coming out of high school you weren't highly recruited, right? Correct. So I'm I'm going to speak to a local youth club um this weekend and talk to their goalkeeper just about, you know, my experiences and that I think that's one of the the major talking points that's gonna come up is how do I get recruited? What happens if I'm not highly recruited? You know, I want to play D1. Everyone wants to play Division One. So uh, what was that experience like for you? How did you, you kind of navigate the recruiting process, the college system when you weren't highly recruited? And, you know, were you focused on one division over the other or was it just I want to go somewhere and play? Or did you just want to, you know, go somewhere where you're going to yeah. college and maybe play as well?
1: Yeah, so I knew, I, mean, I was hoping for Division I. Um Looking back, I realized it's not always necessarily, but, you know, it's not right for everybody. Um, but but I knew I wanted to play. I wanted to play at the highest level that I could. But I also knew I wanted to enjoy the experience. You know, the season's only three months long, so you got to enjoy where you're at, too. Um, so I was just going around to a bunch of ID camps. I wanted to. Syracuse camp, I went to Duquesne camp, I went to uh, Sienna's camp, um, so I just kind of expanded my, my search a little bit, and, you know, all the coaches know each other, so that would be my biggest um, piece of advice for, for any young goalkeepers is, is go to these camps um, and, you know, do your best, and, you know, if a coach doesn't, you know, have a need for you, but you perform well, they all talk to each other, you know. They're going to say, hey, you know, we have this goalkeeper. He, he performed pretty well. You know, we don't really have a spot for him, but maybe you'd be interested. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, I never went to a, a pit camp. Uh, one of their coaches contacted um, the Duquesne coach at the camp I was at, and, and that's kind of how it all worked out. Um, so I would just say expand your search zones, even if you're not 100% sure you want to go to a school it doesn't hurt to at least throw your name in the ring and, and kind of see what happens from
0: there. I think that's great advice because I was kind of on, like, the similar path where I was so focused on Division One. I, I remember getting letters from D2 schools, D3 schools, and I was like, no, I'm not even going to entertain that. But looking back, I'm like, well, was my decision the best decision for me? Because, you know, I only played one full season as a starter in college. Um and could I have gone somewhere else and played more? Uh, it's possible, but I mean, I enjoyed the experience at UNC Wilmington. Uh, great soccer program, great place to live, and I met some great, uh, great people that are still great friends today. So it's not something I look back and say, "Hey, I wish I would have done it over again." But it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, there, "There's little decisions that could be made differently, um, and you know could completely change the trajectory of your career." So. I would, yeah. I would agree. Like you have to, you have to cast that wide net and see what's out there. S- Division one is a great level, very high level of soccer, but there's a lot of great D two and great uh, D three programs that have quality soccer and quality competition. So I think a lot of youth players have to just expand their uh, their mind a little bit and, and be open. Yeah, to absolutely. Experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, we you know it's very clear that you know I think the top the top schools in Division one are, are you know. Head and shoulders above the rest, but I think there's a good case to be made that at a lot of mid-major Division One schools, it's it's not that far off from good Division Three programs, you know, good Division Two programs. There's a lot of great teams out there. Just because you don't, you can't say you play for a Division One team doesn't mean really anything at the end of the day. Um, so it's just about play time, you know, coaching, location of the school, all that stuff really really matters. And I think a lot of kids. Get
0: that absolutely so when you're heading into pit what are your thoughts are you are you going in to be number one right away or did you have an idea like you're gonna have to work your way into it maybe sit on the bench for a little bit and then you know kind of get used to the college game and and hopefully year two year three gain more time
1: yeah i i had a good idea that my first year was more of a learning year um obviously i was hoping to play but that wasn't really my expectation going in. Um, I knew I had a lot to learn. I knew the conference I was getting into was, was one of the best in the country. Um, so that's what I did the first few months of the season, just kind of put your head down and, and work really hard, try to earn the coaches and your teammates trust. And I was able to get a couple games in my freshman year, um, which was great. Um, and then we had a transfer um, the, the starting goalkeeper transferred going into my sophomore year. So that's, I saw a big opportunity and I was able to in the job and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to play three years as a starter, which was, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think, uh,
0: anytime you can get games, especially at a high level like that, uh, it can do nothing but improve your confidence and hopefully get you ready for the next level. Um, you know, I was yeah. I wasn't in that similar situation, unfortunately. I went into a program that had uh, a starter as a freshman, uh, so he's a year ahead of me, a very talented goalkeeper, and I found it tough my first three years to get playing time, and the mental adjustment for me was, like, the biggest thing. I had never really been a backup. I hadn't been used to sitting on the bench and watching everybody else perform, knowing, like, I'm capable of performing. I just, I'm not on the field. I'm, I'm stuck behind someone else. So that was the biggest adjustment for me was in terms of going into college, performing well, but not quite being ready and then having to wait. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a huge adjustment that a lot of young kids, it hits them pretty hard. Um, you're just not ready for it. You can't really prepare for it
1: until you're really in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to happen to every goalkeeper at some point in their career. Um, And it's just a matter of how you deal with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. So college career went pretty well, obviously. Um, You talked about playing in the ACC, the level of the ACC. You think that that made it an easier transition for you to hop from college to the professional level?
1: Um, I definitely do. Um, I think I think it helps a lot. Uh, the quality of the opponents we're playing against was, was very impressive. Um, a lot of those guys that we played against ended up either being my teammates or seeing them again in in U.S.L. games. Um, so I had a fam- familiarity with you know play styles and and the pace of play. Um, so you know, professional game is even faster than an A.C.C. game, but Um, I think I was able to adjust a little quicker than maybe, um, I would have, if I wasn't at, you know, a big school competing against some of these top guys in in the country. So, um, you know, I think it was a, a big reason I was able to, uh, continue on in my career.
0: So let's talk about that adjustment process a little bit. You said that it wasn't a huge adjustment, but obviously it's a professional game. It's Your, your schedule is totally different. You're training at a different level. What were some of the adjustments that you had to make or you found yourself having to make when you got to Rochester?
1: I think one of the biggest things is actually just the length of the season. Um, I, the college season is more of a sprint. Um, you start in August and you know finish in October, maybe November if you're lucky. Um, so you know, the longest you'll play is four months, um, and four months won't even get you halfway in the U.S.L. season. Um, I actually think it's just, just the length of the season was my biggest adjustment. Uh, I remember my first year; it was we got uh, rolled around into June, and we were maybe a couple of weeks from halfway, and and I was just exhausted, and I wasn't even really playing. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest adjustments that you see with a lot of not just goalkeepers, but players um, going into the next level is is recognizing that the demand is so much higher, and you have to do it consistently for for eight months, and that takes some getting used to.
0: Yeah, I would say that would probably be my biggest adjustment when I first came uh, into the USL. My season was a bit shorter back then. You started up mid March and you ended you know, if you did well at the beginning of September. So it's a, a bit shorter, more like a six to six and a half month season, but it was still a grind. I remember it hitting like May, June, even starting in middle of March. And I'm like, man, is this almost done? Um, and yeah. like you said, I wasn't, I wasn't starting. I wasn't really playing. I played like one game that year, but I'm still, you know, you still have the demands of going into the office every day, getting mentally prepared, physically going out on the field, training, doing that, plus the travel, it just becomes a lot. And, you know, it's not something yeah. I'll ever complain about because I love it. But people have to realize it's a long season. And you see a lot of rookies come into the game, and they're like they're gung-ho from day one, and I love it. I love the attitude. But then you see him hit a wall. You usually see him yep. hit a wall. That summertime comes around, and I look at them like, yeah. Yeah, you're hitting it right now. You gotta, you <laughs> yeah. gotta kind of yeah. catch that second wind and kind of uh, get prepared for the end of the season because you still got three, four months, maybe five if you're lucky. So it's definitely a long haul, but uh, yep. not something I'll ever complain about.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So you stepped into the Rochester Rhinos. This was what 2015
1: 16 I believe. Yep, 2016. Yeah, twenty sixteen.
0: 2016. So one of the big reasons I I personally wanted to talk to you is because I feel like we've had a lot of similarities in our career um, in terms of trajectory, uh, how things have gone, moving up from a three to a two. Now you're a starter in the league, having an outstanding season. Um, and a lot of that, I, I give credit for my rise, a lot of that to, to Bob Lilly, the head coach of the Rhinos, when I was there. Um, just how he pushed me and and gave me the opportunity after being a number three the year before. So how was it stepping from Pittsburgh College into a Bob Lilly system? How was that?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was a lot different. Um, i never had a coach quite like him before um, and stepping into a really good uh, goalkeeper crew I had't uh, been raising Tomas Gomez a few guys that have on to do really good things. Um, You know, I had just been starting for three years, and I I go into Rochester and not really sure what to expect um, from Bob or what his expectations were, and he sets a high bar. There's no doubt about it. He pushes you out of your comfort zone. Um, Doesn't matter if you're the one playing at the minute or you're the three. His expectations are high, and I think that's only a good thing um because when you do get your shot you'll be far more prepared than than maybe other places would get their third um so it was definitely kind of a shock to the system um but i think it just matures you even quicker and gets you ready to perform if you're called on
0: yeah i don't think i could have said it better myself i mean i remember in 2014 when he came back to rochester That year, I was coming off injury, wasn't really sure where I was going to be. He brought me into preseason, uh, gave me the opportunity to win a spot on the team. And, you know, I I earned it, and I was happy about it. But at the same time, I was a number three after I had been a backup for the past two years. And I was like, this isn't really a spot I want to be in. But at the same time, I want to continue playing. So I remember throughout that year, I would go out every day, perform at a high level, But I remember just certain times Bob's getting on me about little things and I'm like, Bob, I'm not even like I'm not even going to play this weekend. I'm not even close to playing. But looking back, it's like he wants everyone to be prepared and he doesn't let anyone slack off, doesn't uh, skip over any minor detail. And I think it obviously pays off you can see it in his record he's been successful everywhere he's been and you look at the performances of players like yourself uh the season i had you look at the teams that he's had he gets the best out of his players and i i don't think you can you may not like it all the time but i don't think you can deny uh the way that he pushes his players. exactly yeah, it's true. effective yeah, no
1: doubt about it And a lot of guys you know We've, I'm sure you've seen it too. Some guys can't handle that. Um, but I think if you can stick it out, I think it'll only uh, make you better in
0: the long run. I agree. So you talked about uh, Adam Grinwitz and Tomas Gomez a little bit. What what was that like? The, the goalkeepers union, obviously, when you're training together, you guys are together every single day. You're away from the team a bit. So you guys get to know each other, kind of form a bond. But talk about a little bit. That That's a pretty young goalkeeping group. How did you guys grow, learn, develop together? What did you pick up from them um, as professionals like that you kind of stick with today? Kind of s- has taught you how to be a professional?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing with both of them is just the kind of habits. Uh, I can't think of a time where they took a day off. Um, and I think seeing that as a first year pro was, was really important to me. Um, you know, every single day they were in there. Competing, working really hard, um, you know, trying to make each other better—not just themselves. Uh, the, you know, off the field, they're really good guys as well. Um, so I don't think I could have asked for a better goalkeeper core uh, for my first year. And I do think it helped that we were both all within one year of each other. Um, so we were still kind of learning professional game together. Um, so I think it was a perfect situation for my first year uh, for the. For
0: the goalkeeper crew. Yeah, I mean, you talked about Adam a little bit. I don't know Tomas um, as well, but I do know Adam played with him in 2015, and I remember every day just competing with him pushing myself because he like you said he wasn't taking a day off i mean there were times Mm -hmm. where i was exhausted i'd be like maybe you know maybe we have like an easy session today but you know adam's in there pushing me and i credit him a lot to my success that season because i think that's what you need i think you need someone Who's gonna push you every single day? Who's gonna be there for you? Uh, Wants you to be better as much as you want to be better, but at the same time, they want that spot and they're pushing for that yep. spot. I think that's healthy competition is huge for for the success of a goalkeeping core.
1: Absolutely, you always need somebody pushing you. Um, it, it just makes the whole group better, and you know, so that was kind of my job the first year a little bit, uh, you know, as third, a third. Year, third. Um, I knew I had to keep up with them. You know, and by the end of the season, I, I think I made some, some big strides thanks to those two.
0: So let's talk about your move to Pittsburgh, the Riverhounds. I know you played college there, um, you're familiar with the city. Bob had moved there. So, what was the main motivation behind moving to the Riverhounds?
1: I think there were a couple. Um, first of all, I just really like Pittsburgh, um, it's, a, it's a great place to live. Um, I'm familiar with with a lot of uh, what they do in, in the like the goal, the academy for coaching. Um, familiar with the city, have a lot of friends that still live down there. Like you said, Bob moved down there, so there was familiarity with the coaches. Um, the goalkeeper coach um, at the Hounds was actually my goalkeeper coach in at Pitt, um, so um, I was really excited to work with him again, um, and it all kind of just fell into place. And I knew, you know, maybe getting out away from home would be good for me in my career, um, experience something different. Um, And I was able to find a place that I was really comfortable with, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me.
0: So you're moving to Pittsburgh, obviously, staying with Bob, his system. Um, For for the listeners who don't know, he's tactically, like defensively, he's somewhat of a genius Uh, his teams are always very sound defensively but in terms of his goalkeepers he does like rotation so let's talk a little bit about how you deal with that how going in and out of the lineup I mean I know a lot of times this season you got a good stretch of games where there wasn't rotation whether that's due to injury you're you're playing well he Mm -hmm. wants to keep you in there but how do you deal with that you know a coach who wants to keep two goalkeepers sharp. You know, you get a majority of the minutes, but there's times where you're playing well and you, you get dropped for no reason. Um, so how do you deal with that mentally?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's for anybody. I think they'd be lying if they said it wasn't difficult at times. Um, but you also know going in that that's how he does it. Um, so there's no secrets, and that's really all you can ask for as a player. Um, to just know what you're getting into. Um, so that's, you know, the one thing about it. You can't really complain because you know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but it is frustrating at times. Um, I think it's more frustrating when you you go into the season as a one. Um, on the flip side, my second year, I was the two, and I got 10, 11 games. Um, and I felt like that was huge for my a player. Um, so, you know, you just have to, you just have to accept it. You have to deal with it. And, um, you know, if anything else, it keeps you fighting for your spot. Cause you know, if you don't perform, he's not, he's not afraid to put another guy in there. Um, so it's, it's more of a mental challenge than anything else.
0: Yeah. I think you guys at Pittsburgh were kind of like a perfect example of, of being prepared for, your opportunity to come this year, you know, you went down with an injury, your backup went down with an injury and your number three got a decent number of games more than yep. I think any other number three in the league, uh, whether it's injuries form, you know, he had to step up and do it. And I think he did pretty admirably at that. So yeah, he did um, it. He
1: did a really good job. He,
0: you know, you always got to be ready, but also in, in, in the system that you're playing, uh, typically goalkeepers don't see a lot of action. Um, and I won't say a lot of action. You just don't see as much action as people would expect you, What maybe what other goalkeepers are seeing. And I hate to call it pressure because I'm always hesitant to call it pressure in sports. But I mean, this is a living. This is how we how we make our living. So, you know, you, loo- you don't play well, you lose your job. So there is a bit of pressure there. So let's talk about the pressure It's it, that comes along with playing in a system mm-hmm. like um, a Bob Lilly system where you're not seeing as much action. So those one or two times that you do have to, uh, you know, make a save or come out and claim a cross, it, you know, it, it's a big moment. Um, so how do you deal with yeah. that? Or, or like how goalkeepers are viewed in a Bob Lilly system where it's maybe they people question their talent level because they're not getting as much action mm-hmm. as other goalkeepers in the league.
1: Yeah, um, I'm sure every goalkeeper that's played for him has heard some of those things um, that you know we don't, we don't have to do anything all game and things like that. I would just argue that what we have to do might be just a little different um, from what a typical team uh, might expect from their goalkeepers. Um, I know a lot of places would be okay with their goalkeeper saying, you know, two yards off their line all game and just focus on shot stopping. And if you can do that, we're happy um, under Bob. It's a lot different. Um, we have to be able to read the game for a full 90 minutes. Um, we are expected to play outside of our 18, um, claim any through balls, claim crosses well outside what a lot of other coaches would expect for their goalkeepers. Um, so I don't think that um, we don't do anything. I think what we do um, is just a little different. The expectation is different. Um, and like you said, when when a team does break us down, we have to be ready to make that big play. Um, and you know, his goalkeepers have shown that they're they're able to do that more times than not.
0: Yeah, I think that was a big thing in 2015 that really took my game from, you know, doing pretty well to having an outstanding season was, you know, he told me I had to be more aggressive off my line. I had to control my 18 more. I had to come out of my box and clear things more. And this is at a time where we were undefeated. I was playing pretty well. Hadn't been scoring on very often. And I remember him coming up to me after practice and just talking to me about those little things and um at first i'm taking aback. like why is he on my case right now we're undefeated but then i uh, i look back and it, it pushed me to be a better goalkeeper throughout that year and uh, obviously pushed me to have a great year so those are the little things that some coaches may not really harp on but uh, individually if those are things that you see yourself struggling with i think it's something that you have to focus on not like you said not just standing two yards offline and making saves because there's a lot more to goalkeeping than that yeah absolutely so speaking of pressure i want to talk to you a little bit about your season and and how it progressed because i mean i think from the beginning of the season you were you know, had one of the lowest goals against average. You were racking up shutouts, making saves. Like, you are having a great year. Obviously, you had the injury that held you back a little bit. But what kind of added pressure do you feel, if any, from, you know, vying for an award, end-of-the-year awards, things like that?
1: Um, I truly didn't really feel any any pressure. Um, I think Bob didn't really allow you to think about it. Um, I just knew if I did my job every game, all that stuff would would fall into place. Um, So I didn't really think too much about it. Um, I think, like you said, coming off an injury uh, kind of threw me off a little bit. So towards the end of the year, um, I think I came back with six games left. So I was more concerned with just trying to get my rhythm back. Uh, um, So, you know, it was nice to be in all, all those conversations throughout the year. Unfortunately, I, I lost it on the last game, I think, because like the 90-second minute. Um, so I guess I was thinking a little bit about it. <laughs> but you know, he didn't really let you focus on any of that kind of stuff, um, which took the pressure off of me, which was nice.
0: So let's talk about that injury a little bit. You had the facial injury, um, what happened back in August?
1: Yeah, August, I want to say, yeah.
0: So... How, how was that, getting back from that? Obviously, you know, you're out for,
1: what, a month? Yeah, I was out for like six weeks, I think. Um, I had the surgery a week after the injury, and then I had to sit out for four or five weeks and I'm feeling up. Um, came back with a mask, and I was expecting to just be able to jump right back into the swing of things. Um, I learned it's, it's not that easy. Um, to find the rhythm of the game again, figure out the speed of the game, all that kind of stuff that you take for granted when you're six months into a season. Um, so it's kind of just starting over again, which is frustrating. Uh, and wearing a mask wasn't fun, just another added element to think about. Um, so I was really happy when that when that could be taken off. Um, but it's something everyone's going to go through. Um, you have to be really lucky to to make it through the whole season without any type of injury. And unfortunately, I wasn't that lucky.
0: Yeah, I was in the, in the same place at the beginning of the season and broke my thumb literally the second day of preseason. And, you know, I was doing everything I could to stay in with the team during practice, doing everything with my feet and fitness and whatnot. But there's not really much you can do as a goalkeeper when you're injured that's going to keep that confidence and, and keep that awareness of being in a goal, being in position, just all, all the little things that you need to, to build that confidence. And like you said, six months into a season where you're getting games, you're training regularly, things are fine, but you know, you go out for two, three, six weeks. And now, unfortunately it's like you're starting at, at, At zero again and so that was probably the most frustrating part for for me was when I got back to training I felt fit uh, my feet were flying but just getting back in the goal and getting comfortable again was the hardest thing for me
1: yeah all those things that you can't train they they really sneak up on you um, and make you realize you know playing goalkeeper is just a lot about feel and you know you can do all the footwork you want but once you once you're in there you know, all all the little things kinda come back and, and sometimes take a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. So let's talk about the future a little bit. What what are your aspirations for next season? Actually let's let's focus on the off season. How do you get prepared for a season? Uh you're you're going into what, your fourth year now?
1: Yep, going to be the fourth year.
0: So as as a professional goalkeeper two, three-month offseason, what do you do to prepare mentally, stay sharp physically in order to get ready for
1: preseason? Yeah, so the last couple of seasons, um, I've worked with a trainer. Um, so hitting the gym, you know, two or three times a week, doing stuff on the field another two or three times a week, um, just trying to stay as sharp as possible. It, it's difficult in Rochester um, during the offseason because – one, there's not a team here anymore. Um, two, it's hard to find places to train because there's usually two feet of snow on the ground. Um, so you kind of have to be creative with ways to get on the field, finding people to, to help you. Um, so it's it's always tricky. Um, I know I'm, I'm thinking about going back down to Pittsburgh, maybe, and working with some of those guys. Um, so when you're in places like Rochester, you kind of have to be uh, – the just about when and where to get your training in
0: yeah it's always tough when you're not in an environment where especially in in new york where it's snowing constantly from october till you know early may uh, it's hard to get outside and hard to find really find people to to train with as a goalkeeper it's hard to do too much on your own because you know you can't shoot it yourself so i've I've been in that situation before and unfortunately uh, lucky for me in Charlotte, there's there's a, always a, a good group of guys to get together with. But it, when you can't find somewhere to train, you, you kind of have to find a solution either somewhere else or, or make something work in your own town. But uh, last question I really want to talk about is what are your plans – for next season what are your goals for next season you've had you're coming off a great season um played 25 26 games uh had a great goals against average you had a lot of top performances so how do you top that next season
1: yeah well you know you have to take it a day at a time um i have to wait and hear from pittsburgh and see what they want to do with my contract Um hoping to hear back soon um if they pick me up that's great you know Work hard again and try to try to be even better next season. Um, if they don't pick me up, and you know have to find a new place to play, um, which is exciting. Um, so it's kind of just a waiting game right now. I'm trying to just stay focused on the things I control. It's another part of being a professional that people don't really understand. Um, so you know the waiting game continues, and you know I'll be ready for whatever opportunities come my way.
0: Yeah, I don't think you can really understand uh, that just a professional offseason until you've actually been in it and understand the weighting that goes into it. There's a lot. Of clubs have to make decisions. Players have to make decisions. So, like you said, all you can do is focus on what you can control and and everything else will fall into place. So, Dan, I don't want to keep you too too long today. I appreciate you coming back on the podcast. We got all the technical uh, errors out the way and I'm looking forward to all my listeners hearing your story and hearing all the great things that uh, you had to say
1: all right thanks a lot it was fun all
0: right well uh, hopefully we'll get together sometime maybe we can train sit down talk a little bit more but I appreciate you coming on today man and uh, good luck the rest of the season. and we'll speak soon
1: all right time's good man take all right it man easy. take care
0: that was Dan Lin, the goalkeeper for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. The man had an outstanding season this past season, and we're looking forward to following his progress throughout his career. Like always, if you guys have any comments, any questions, you know, anything you want to add to the Last Line Soccer Podcast, just hit us up on uh, either you can hit us on on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Prime Focus Goalkeeping, or you can head to our website. PrimeFocusGoalkeeping.com. Leave us a message, send us an email, uh, give us insight, give us feedback, positive and negative. We want to hear it all, guys. We want to get better because we want to keep improving this podcast and give you something you guys will continue to want to listen to. So, with that said, I hope you guys have a good evening. Take care, and we'll uh, hopefully hear from you soon. Like I said, this is the Last Line Soccer Podcast presented to you by Prime Focus Goalkeeping and the Beautiful Game Network. Thank you.